everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Trevor drops, looks, looks, fires back in the end zone, caught for the touchdown! Touchdown in the back of the end zone to Calvin Ridley and Jacksonville has taken the lead. Checks it down underneath. That's a crossing route to Christian Kirk. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. Christian Kirk to the goal line. Touchdown, Jacksonville. A crossing route to Christian Kirk. And the Jags have retaken the lead. Fires this one deep downfield, and that ball is going to be picked off. The Jags pick it off, and they're going to run it back. That is Dewey Winger. Picked it off in the middle of the field. He's still running it back. He got it into Pittsburgh territory. Andrew Wingard stepped up and picked that thing off. Just disappointing. Disappointing the way we finished our season. Obviously, it's, it's definitely not good enough. You know, things start with me, and i got to make sure that I'm holding myself accountable and I'm doing all I can to, you know, help our football team win on and off the football field, but just not good enough. Uh, it hurts, you know, it hurts to not be able to finish and you look at where we were at one point in the season and just finished really, really poorly and kind of, you know, gave it away. So there's so many things you look at and it's disappointing and frustrating and we have a lot of really great players and I think we have the potential to be a great team. We didn't finish the year that way. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Demetrius Harvey, and Dylan Denmark. <laughs> I love it. How about that? Big hack with a little drop in right there. Uh, if you're looking on the YouTube screen right now, uh, you may be surprised that Demetrius Harvey is here with us. Pockets, what's the situation with our technology The today? wide camera's not working, only the, wide the solo shot. All so. Right. We're, we're working through it. Well, nobody wants to see me, right? We should redirect the solo camera. I, I'm not touching it, by the way. I'm going to get yelled yeah. at by somebody if I touch I'm it. I'm going to enjoy imagining throughout the show that Demetrius is throwing his voice into the back of this chair. No, we gotta, we've got a <laughs> an empty chair right here in between us, and I see us both on this shot, so we'll get Demetrius uh, over on the next break. But he is here. I swear to you, Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union, um, many people's favorite Jaguar reporter. What's up, Big Meech, as uh, E.T. Once W, how are you? I'm doing all right. How about you guys? We're well, man. Good to well, good for us to be able to see you. Nobody else can see you at the, John the present time. As it <laughs> look, bro, it's it's radio. Like you're a writer, we're radio people, and now it's all about video. Like, yeah. Everything. If it doesn't happen on video, it didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. You have to have video. You have to be. You know, now they're doing it vertically. I I, I know I sound old there, but uh, it's been weird. It's been weird to see the all this transition to pretty much primarily video stuff so uh it's interesting that you guys started doing it too yeah well you know uh, it's it's there and i'm here so like that's about my connection to it tony it uh it shows me i don't really have a choice in the matter and uh really if jacksonville had a vote uh we would probably take that camera down at least from the hours of 10 to noon but that's not our concern today all right let me lay it out we got pete prisco coming up in about 20 minutes and uh, we scheduled that because we wanted to get pete's you know, fleshing out a little bit of uh, the uh, rumor that he dropped on a podcast a couple weeks ago about Trent Baalke, but uh, that's coming up. We got plenty to dig into with you, Dimitri, starting with the Jags have a new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. I don't think any of us, well, I shouldn't speak for anybody in the Jacksonville media. I don't think many of us know Ryan Nielsen personally, other than what our research has shown us. And it looks like in his first year with the Falcons, he really improved a lot of their defensive metrics significantly. Yeah, you know, it from just primary, 
you know, research, just sort of looking at it yesterday, you know, it seemed like he was able to improve their defense immensely. I mean, pretty much every metric they went up, even sacks, they completely doubled it. They went from 21 to 42, which isn't a, a, a you know, a huge number, but, you know, it's a huge difference. It's, it's, it's 100% difference. So, you know, that that's something where – you can at least see why they would probably want to bring a guy like him in. He's able to take a defense that maybe was struggling the year before, add a couple pieces, and then sort of mold his defense around it. And I think that that's something where um, you're going to sort of see it this year, or, or, or I'm assuming you're going to see it this coming year with the Jaguars, where they're going to be uh, maybe more multiple, is is, is, is is what I would say, just because – uh, you you don't really in today's day and age have just straight up you know three four four three you do this you do that and then that's the only thing you do it's a lot more versatile with all the different players and all the different um, you know sizes athleticism all all that kind of stuff so yeah you know he's he's gonna bring some sort of intensity from from what I've read attacking aggressive that's sort of his 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 mantra I guess down in Atlanta so yeah I mean this is gonna be an interesting um, you know hire to see what sort of comes to fruition. To be fair, mm -hmm. I don't know a defensive coordinator or a would-be defensive coordinator that do wouldn't tell you we want to be aggressive, right? Yeah. Like they yeah, all, <laughs> honestly, I mean, that's like the baseline to get you in the door. Uh, what everybody talks about pockets. We have that clip uh, that we've got in there. This was, uh, I'm sure you've seen it. A lot of people out there have seen it. This was back in August, right? And this was after basically a good portion of the offseason as Nielsen comes in from the Saints to the Falcons. He's trying to instill his mindset on the team. This is a variety of coaches and players being asked about their impressions of Ryan Nielsen in Atlanta last August. And from day one, it was attack, aggressive, attack, aggressive, attack, aggressive. That's been something that's been um, yelled at us, you know, from, the, from day one, you know, attacking aggressive. And I'm super grateful for Ryan Nielsen and, you know, the way that he coaches because uh, I feel like it, it resonates throughout the whole defense. Everybody's kind of trying to play on that same string of things and uh, really play attack, you know, attacking guys aggressively. You hear it in your sleep? I feel like you do. Attacking yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You definitely can hear his voice when you even say the words. You know, you're like, huh. I mean, I already kind of knew what type of uh, intensity he had. I had a phone call with him before he came in. But yeah, that first meeting, you know, you got a little shot, attack, aggressive. I was like, okay, that's what we're going to be. Let's do it then. But like you said, he said every single day just to remind us. And it is embedded, man. It come out in all my all my talks. So. You think about it in your sleep? Because a couple of guys seem to feel like they do. I might have came out of my sleep one time. Like, oh, attack, attack. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> it's embedded, though. But it, it's good. You know, it's good for the defense. You know, it's give us something to work to it. Today we're talking about attack and aggressive and how that's something that Ryan Nielsen says all the time. Every day. How much is that embedded in what you guys are trying to do on defense this year? Everything is embedded in everything. You know, that's his motto, attack and aggressive. You know, we talk about it every day. Everything you do, the way you walk, the way you talk, you know what I'm saying? He, I mean, he, he on you. you. Your posture need to be right. Like, I mean, but at the end of the day, like your swagger, you know, how you carry yourself is you carry to the field. You know what I'm saying? And your mindset. And uh, it's been good. Everybody buying in. And it's good to see the defense play with that. You need that as a, a defense. All right. Now, I, I would not expect, you know, we wouldn't be yeah. playing that for you if it was It's wasn't. not like we didn't hear every defender in Jacksonville and Caldwell himself come out every time we heard from him. Turnovers, turnovers, Tur turnovers. Right. Like, oh, this I love that mindset. Yes. About this year. Like, this is defensive coaching. Like, this mm -hmm. is just how that works. But. That's certainly his mentality, attack aggressive. Okay? Look, all right, yeah. so he wants to attack. He wants to be aggressive. All that's fine. Got to have the personnel to do that. And Demetrius, I think people have looked at his history of who he has worked with. Uh, Cameron Jordan 
in New Orleans and Trey Hendrickson in Cincinnati as two guys who are big physical ends, right, who can also rush the passer, but they're really good two-way players. They're good against the run, and they see a lot of that in Trayvon Walker and that this could be a selection, a hiring that they hope brings out the best in him. Yeah, I, I can completely see that. A, a Cameron Jordan, a, a Trey Hendrickson, I wouldn't necessarily say that they have the same athletic build as Trayvon Walker exactly, but, yeah, they're they're sort of that big, imposing defensive end, somebody who can also rush the passer from a, a, a variety of fronts. You know, Cameron Jordan can move inside too. That, that That's sort of the same sort of mentality as – what we've sort of had with Trayvon over the last few or last couple of years, you know, we all think that he can play better inside, play better down with his hand in the dirt. Trayvon has said in the past that he plays better with his hand in the dirt. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's sort of, you know, the direction that we're headed in, at least from, from what we can see from what he's done uh, with the Saints and then obviously with the Falcons. And I really do think that one of the big reasons, and obviously we still have to talk to Doug about this, but one of the big reasons that they brought him in possibly uh, was because of his extensive background teaching the defensive line. Uh, they knew that that was one of their worst you know, areas down the stretch. I think that they understand that you know, getting interior pass rush has been an issue, getting interior push, winning the line of scrimmage. Those were issues last year down the stretch. And so you bring in a guy like Ryan Nielsen, and theoretically he's able to teach – guys like Trayvon, teach guys like Devon Hamilton, you know, Roy Robertson-Harris a little bit better to sort of attack and and sort of be that command and, and, and dominating front. And one other thing he does, Tony, is he plays a ton of man, and the Jags have played a lot of zone recently, right? Mm -hmm. Which, look, it was true before they hired Ryan Nielsen, but it is highlighted now that the Jags only have two corners under contract beyond 2024. Yeah. And they're not Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams, right? And, you know, so you'd like to get deals done with those guys, perhaps, or certainly with Tyson Campbell, but may put man coverage corners right near the top of the wish list in terms of player acquisition this offseason. You know, and it's something we've been talking about on the show, obviously, is that man versus zone coverage thing. And it's not like I just mentioned. They blitz plenty. The Jaguars are plenty aggressive when it, aggressive when it comes to blitzing. They're blitzing and playing zone, mm -hmm. right, which is not typical of how you would think it works in the NFL. I think that says more about – the guys you have behind you, then it says anything else. So I get that you have a guy coming in that wants to play more man. That's fantastic. But do how much personnel change do they need to have to be more comfortable saying, you got that guy, you got playing more man than they played in the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I guess that's going to be the the, the the huge question going into this offseason where you, know, you probably feel comfortable – having Darius Williams and Tyson Campbell as your corners in general. I mean, you're not going to get rid of either of one, either one of them, or at least I don't think so. Um, I know that Darius has a pretty big cap hit uh, this coming season, but really if you get rid of Darius, now you're just drafting a guy anyway. You're, you're probably going to have to draft a couple guys regardless of if you keep or, 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 or let Darius go. So <clears throat> to me, it, it feels like uh, this is a, a situation where – you know, Darius has played man coverage in the past with the Rams. It seems like he's done a pretty good job on the boundary playing press man. Uh, Tyson Campbell, we've seen in Jacksonville that it just didn't – it doesn't look like he's as good at man coverage as, as he is at zone. It just feels like he's not a guy that you want to necessarily play man-to-man -man all the time. Um, and another thing that sort of happens is 
<clears throat> while he doesn't, while he has deployed um, man principles with the Falcons, that doesn't necessarily mean that you know he he's coming to Jacksonville and they're all of a sudden going to be the first team in man. You know, right? <laughs> I, I, obviously, you got to adjust to your personnel, but I think that it may show you the vision of where he wants to get this team to if he has some influence over the kind of the structure of the personnel. Uh, certainly on that side of the ball. All right, you've got Demetrius Harvey in studio here with us today. We've got Pete Prisco coming up in a few minutes, and we'll talk with Pete about a bunch of off-season Jaguar issues. But after that, at about 35 after the hour, we'll open up the phone lines to you if you'd like to get in. Among the ways to do it today, 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Same number for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. You can hit us up on social media today at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Demetrius82, or at 1010XL Denmark. Hold my pocket! Uh, and, of course, in the YouTube chat as well. Uh, somebody asked, and uh, they're not going to be the only person to ask uh, along these lines, do you think there's a possibility the former mayor of Saxonville might follow Ryan Nielsen to Jacksonville. I don't think it's a 0% chance. I mean, the Jags showed interest in him last year. He played well in Atlanta this year. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times Demetrius, Tony and I are sitting there in the studio. It's like a commercial uh, on the Jags game, and red zone pops up, and there's Calais Campbell making another damn play. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, so we'll see, uh, you know, don't know if that's, uh, yeah. likely, like but you uh, wonder if last year they had just paid all three guys, you know, in the past couple of years, two of them in that same off season. So it's like, you know what, do we need to spend any more money mm -hmm. at the interior of the defensive line? Maybe we've got that settled, you know, that kind of thing from a front office perspective. Well, you got to watch them all play this year. Yeah. Is it settled? You know, like, I don't know how settled any of that should feel going into this offseason compared to last offseason from their perspective. We were both on board with bringing back Calais Campbell. Cool. Of he, course. You know, he's would have loved it. High-level player, still a good player, that kind of thing. And obviously, the community around here loves Calais. No doubt. All right. Uh, all right. So, take advantage while we have Demetrius in today. If you've got Jaguar-specific questions or comments, uh, we'll accept those Coming up in about 25 minutes. But Pete Prisco on the other side from CBS Sports, their senior NFL writer. Where did he hear that rumor about Trent Baalke maybe stepping away? Now, keep in mind, that was two weeks ago. We had discussed it at length yesterday. But uh, not only that, but uh, all the rest of the offseason goings on with Pete Prisco uh, coming up here on Jaguars today. Keep it right here with Demetrius Harvey on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Now, more Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, we got Big Beach in the shot now. Feel all cozy <laughs> up in the studio right here. We're all very close. We're all good friends here, right? Mm -hmm. Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union uh, joining us in studio. Smiling face right there. Handsome guy classing up the joint. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith here with you. And uh, looky, looky, who's on the line, CBS Sports senior NFL writer Pete Prisco. I get to talk to him all throughout the season, and uh, he's a regular fixture on the Frangie Show. You hear him all on the 1010XL dial. Pete, good morning, sir. How are you? Good. What's up, guys? How are you? Uh, you know, oh, just good, hanging yeah. out, talking a little Jaguar football offseason. Wish we had uh, had postseason play to 
remark upon. Uh, let me ask you, Pete, this, we, we caught your comments a couple weeks ago on the podcast, on the Pick 6 uh, podcast, right, where you, you talked about Trent Baalke with Will Brinson and John Breach there. Um, I think th- those comments in a lot of circles went unnoticed to some degree, right, and they popped up over the weekend like, oh, Pete's out here saying this, and then I realized, oh, that was from about two weeks ago. You had mentioned you'd heard at least a little scuttlebutt that it was possible Trent Baalke might take a step back. Um, anything further on that, or was that just something that was floating around at one point in time? Oh no, it was out there, and it was, uh, and, and it wasn't step back; it was retire. Um, and and that was out there. It was mentioned. It was uh, a possibility. Uh, it was even mentioned by people that you know, inside the organization. So, uh, you know, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's still a possibility, um, but it, it was definitely something that was talked about. Now, um, it also could be something that was talked about because maybe they were considering a change. And in that kind of scenario, if you're Trent Balky, you're going to, you're going to say you're retiring to make it look like you're not being let go. So uh, I don't know the exact specifics of it, but it was definitely mentioned. Pete, what, what do you make of the dynamics at the moment between Shad Khan, Trent Baalke, Doug Peterson? You know, we were told last year that basically they both report directly to Shad Khan. Um, there's been talk that Nielsen is a bulky hire, a bulky decision, which you would think the head coach, particularly one with a Super Bowl ring, would get to fill out his staff the way he sees fit. Well, what's up with the power dynamics right now from your point of view? Well, Trent was in on those meetings. Um, that that happened, and, and so when you're picking your defensive coordinator and your general managers in the meetings, I, I don't I don't understand that. To be honest with you, it's, it's, that shouldn't be that way. And I don't understand the power the guy wields in that organization. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, you know, and, and look, he uh, he'll he'll probably come down on me when I see him. I don't care. The bottom line is that team isn't good enough, and it's because of him. When they were. You know, you look at Tom Coughlin was there, they ran him off. Dave Caldwell was there, they ran him off. And I'm talking about him and others. They ran them off. Then, uh, you know, they, they, Urban Meyer came in, and, and Trent wanted Urban Meyer there. He was all for it. And then they ran Urban Meyer off, understandably so. And then who's still standing? It's Trent Baalke. And to me, I don't understand it. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't understand the allegiance to him. Um, if you look at that roster up and down, not a great roster and not a lot of great decisions. And so if you want to, if you want to blame somebody for that, you know, team collapsing last year, blame Trent Baalke. I mean, you can blame some of the coaches too. Don't get me wrong, but I think the roster lacks, uh, star players. And I think ultimately it's hurting the quarterback in a big way. Yeah. I think Pete, Mike and I have made our position clear on Trent Baalke if they had fired him. Two years ago, we would have been okay with it. Certainly would be okay with it this offseason as well. Doesn't appear that's going to be the direction they go with it. And it clearly sounds like you would feel comfortable with that as well. Did the Jaguars change enough outside of that? Would just Mike Caldwell and the defensive staff being turned over for the most part? By the way, I was on with Frank a couple weeks ago, or last week I think it was, and I went all in. I said I would have fired him. I mean, I'm not going to – I would have fired him. I wouldn't. He would not be my general manager. I, and – and I would have made a change. I, I'm not going to hold back from that. I don't think he should be the guy leading that team anymore. And until they fix that, they're going to have problems. So to answer your question, Tony, no, I would have fired him. I would have let him go. I would have found another general manager. And they, they need to do that. And I don't know why Shad Khan is so loyal to him. I don't understand it. I really don't. 
AP, uh, Demetrius Harvey here. Just what do you make of sort of the dynamic between uh, Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, and Trent Baalke here? It seems like there there's some sort of contention, at least from what's been rumored, that you know Press Taylor is somebody that Peterson obviously adores. He's somebody that he he wants to keep. Um, and it seems like Trent might have wanted to go a, a little bit of a different direction. I mean, have you heard that? And what do you sort of make of that dynamic? Well, if you guys have heard me all year, you know I hate the design of the offense. So I'm not going to sit here and defend the design of the offense. So, I, you know, if, if that might be one thing Trent Balthy actually has correct. And now whether it's, it's Press's offense or whether it's Doug's offense, I don't like it. I think it's too horizontal. I think now there are reasons why it's too horizontal, in large part because of who Trent Balthy drafted. I mean, you can't, you got nothing in the middle. I mean, the center stands straight up and gets blown back. You can't run the ball. The, the, the right guard is breaking down. Age has you know, deteriorated his play, and then they never thought he was as good as his reputation to begin with. And then, you know, they can't, the left guard was a rotation all year. So they have major issues in the middle of that line, and maybe it's forcing them to be more horizontal. But you have a guy with a cannon for an arm who can stand in there and make throws down the field, and you don't throw the ball down the field. You throw it too horizontal. So I don't like the design of the offense. I could understand where they're critical of, uh, you know, Press Taylor and, and, and of Doug Peterson's offense because I still think he has major input into it. But, again, that, you know, the fact that Trent Baalke is sitting there, you know, and you know he's chirping about it because that's what he does. He's chirping about that offense. He's chirping about uh, who he shouldn't hire as a defensive coordinator. That's too much power for him, for what he's done. Worry about your own stuff. That's what he should be worrying about. And now you got a rift between head coach and, and, and general manager because the general manager doesn't think the coach is making his players better, and the coach probably doesn't think the players are good enough. Right, and if you're not – and if it went down – to where Trent Baalke basically had final say on who the defensive coordinator is, I, I think that's a recipe for disaster, Pete. You, if you've got a head coach with the resume of Doug Peterson, he's got to be able to fill out his staff, in my opinion, the way he sees fit, uh, for better or worse. And I understand that you know that's part of what came to the end of the line with Doug in Philadelphia was he was seen as too loyal to some of his staff, but that's who he is, and I think that's his prerogative as the head guy. Let's move off that for a moment. There are a lot of off-season things to get done for this football team. Josh Allen coming off the 17-and-a-half sack season, and Calvin Ridley, their only 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, Pete, both slated to be free agents. You only have one franchise tag. How do you think the Jags will attack the uh, desire to retain these guys, and do you think they'll be able to get them both back? Whatever way Trent wants to attack it is how they'll attack it. I mean, I, look, the I would make sure that I would keep that defensive end in any way, shape, or form, or outside linebacker, whatever you want to call him. I think in any way, shape, or form, I would keep him. He's, he's the priority. The receiver, I think you can, if you look at that, you could find a guy. I mean, you could use draft picks to get two of them if you want to. I, I think he's replaceable. If he wants to come back, uh, you know, you could get a long, try and get a long-term deal done with, with uh Allen and then tag, uh, you know, Ridley if you wanted to. I think you can do that and then try and work out a, a deal with him. It sounds like Ridley wants to stay, but Ridley didn't. You know, I mean, he'd be the first one to tell you he didn't know the offense last year. He, he was in the wrong, you guys saw it. He was in the wrong place a lot of times. And I think he got more comfortable as the season moved along. Does he want to go somewhere else and learn a new offense? He said that at the end of the season. But again, money talks. And so we'll see how they played out. But I think Allen should be priority number one, obviously. How would you rank the team's needs heading into the offseason and draft? Well, with this guy coming in as a defensive coordinator, they better get man-to-man cover corners. Mm. That's what he wants to do. I mean, you look at their corners. They, those guys, 
you know, they're not man-to-man cover corners. I, I think that that has to be a priority, some way to get those guys. Uh, the other thing is you gotta you gotta build it around that quarterback. You gotta get physical. They're not physical. You gotta get tough on that offensive line. You gotta get tough on that defensive line. You know, you you, you look at that defensive line. They're not big. You know, you want big bodies in there, and they need they get pushed around. And the linebackers, you know, by the way, he'll draft one in the third round of this draft somewhere along the way. <laughs> to find a way to draft a linebacker. Um, you, you know, and and that's the mistakes that you get hit with. By the way, you know, you traded up for Devin Lloyd, hadn't been worth it. You drafted Muma, doesn't even play. The, the idea when you drafted Muma was what? Muma would be good enough that you boot Aluakon off the field and off the roster because he's too expensive and he starts. Well, you can't do that. At least it doesn't look like you can do that. So I, I think that's where you have a lot of problems. But I think toughness. You know, they, they're not a tough team. You want to be a tough, physical, nasty, violent team. They're not big enough. They're not physical enough on the inside and the offensive line. And they're not big enough and tough enough on the inside of that defense. And, and I think that shows up on a weekly basis. That, all right. All that being said, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency, right? Let's say – they have Ridley back on a two-year deal. Maybe they have Zay. Maybe they don't. Pete, you've got an equally graded interior offensive lineman, not a center, like a guy who would project to play guard. Uh, maybe you know a guard right tackle type. You've got a wide receiver, and you've got a man coverage corner. All of them about equally graded. What's the priority for the Jags in the middle of the first round? Well, the value is always more for the corner. I mean, so you do, if they're equally graded, you take the corner. I, I think you have to. And particularly now, look at the division you're going to be playing in. You got, you know, I still think Levis is going to be really good. And now he's got an offensive coach that can be really good. I, in a division now, you have three quarterbacks that are young and coming up. So you better be able to defend those guys, particularly Stroud. And so I think you have to be able to get a cover corner. That's, that's where I would, the direction I would go in would be cover corner. And then you got to, I mean, you can come back in round two and get a guy like Barton out of Duke who played, you know, left tackle for him. He's a guard. Some people think he might actually end up being the best center of the draft. So you have options there. If he, you know, if you can play him at center, you get Fortner off the field. If you, you know, if, if you don't do that, you want to play him at guard, you get him in at guard, get rid of Sheriff. So I think there's a lot of options if you do that, if you get that kind of player. So I think that's where I would go cover corner first. Um, provided Ridley's back on that two-year deal, and then and then uh, maybe get a, a, a center, second-round center, and then of course you know you got to skip over the third round because they'll draft a linebacker in that round, and then you get to the fourth and start supplementing the rest of the draft. Pete, the Jags obviously have their own young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. How would you grade him this season? Disappointing. Can I give him that grade? Um, I you know, and, and there were a lot of circumstances. I think he tried to play through too much. Too many injuries that you know tough guy is good thing but sometimes you got to be smart about it uh, i think he was sped up a great deal i think his mechanics waned at times because he was sped up um you know he passed early in the season i thought he was passing on some throws down the field to take the quicker throws he's better than what he played that that's my contention i think he's a better quarterback than the way he played he should be uh you know one of those driving the ball down the field hitting those big shots taking that arm and whipping it around quarterback and he wasn't that guy so I think they're disappointing I thought he would be the MVP this season I thought he would have an unreal year I thought the offense would be one of those you know move the 
move the scoreboard on a regular basis offenses, and they were far from it. So the only way I can really grade that team and him uh, offensively is disappointing. Uh, Pete, the Jags are like middle of the pack in cap space, um, and every team in the division has significantly more than them. Uh, one guy that you know we've looked at for several years, uh, perhaps uh, alleviating some of that, is Cam Robinson. You could save $16 million against the cap. I understand what Cam's importance is to this offensive line. Are you keeping him around at that $21 million cap hit this year? That's a tough decision. Uh, that's a really tough decision because they're a better offensive line when he's on the field, but he's not a, he's not, he doesn't play to that money. And, and so that's a really tough decision for me. But he does give them some physical presence. Uh, you know, the one scenario would be, what do you do? Uh, do you move Harrison to the left tackle? I mean, you know, there's some talk of that. But, but then what do you do with Walker Little? That makes him a missed draft pick if that's the case. So, uh, I, look, they have other ways to clear out of, you know, Rayshon Jenkins, you know, he's gone. Um, uh, you know, there's other ways to clear out money. Uh, but again, uh, you know, that's a tough decision. I, I'd probably lean to bringing him back because if you don't bring him back, what do you have? I mean, is Walker Little your long-term left tackle? Uh, is, uh, you could. Uh, I mean, look, if you bring him back, Walker Little's your swing tackle at best anyway, right? So but you missed it. So you missed. Uh, right. Well, you could, if you let Cam walk, you could play Anton Harrison on the left side. Walker Little kind of penciled in on the right side. And I, I think the first round is just rich with guys that can play right tackle, you know, based on what the pundits say. I'm not a scout, but. No, you're right. Like, yeah, they're, they're a right tackle. Then. You know, there, there seem to be a lot of them that may fit the value, uh, maybe even into the second round. So I think that's one possibility because if you save the $16 million on Cam, you direct some of that money to maybe re sign Ezra Cleveland or sign another guard, and you could address the offensive line in that direction with a veteran on the interior and then go with a young guy uh, at, at the tackle position. At least it's a thought, you know? Yeah, it's a thought, but I, I think what you're doing is you're taking a, a you know, you could have a, a decent two guys, at no matter who they are at tackle, if you keep Robinson there and, and, and Harrison would be the right tackle, then, then you know, weaken the line even more. Then you're starting to chase that one again. I, I think, yeah, would I have kept them for that money before the season? No. But after watching, you know, that season, if Walker Little's not your left tackle, if you don't think Walker Little could be your left tackle, then I think you almost have to keep Cam Robinson. I, I mean, you really do. I, would I? Probably not, but I think you almost have to. They're bad up front. I mean, the center has to sit down. I mean, there's no other ifs, ands, or buts about it. He isn't good enough. He plays too high, and he gets pushed back, pushed around. He's not good enough, and, and Sheriff wasn't good enough. And, and, you know, he graded well. I don't know how, but he did, and, and I just don't think he's good enough. And and so the you know they're not tough they're not physical they they you know it's a it's a offensive line that you got to you know the way they play they don't drive anybody they're just more you know pass and tap they you know it's just it's just it, they don't play physical and they need to be much more physical and I think that has to be upgraded whatever way you do it on an offensive line you have to do it and Harrison needs to become a better run blocker he was good in pass protection mm -hmm. but he wasn't great in the run game either so I think and then we'd go back to. They were going to be more physical last year, remember? What'd they do? They drafted a physical running back, and they drafted a tight end who could block in round two and three. So, well, that, the tight end who could block ended up not being a very good blocker. He was average at best, and the running back was barely on the field. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest, Pete. Uh, <laughs> thanks for saying <laughs> I mean, No, I'm I mean, with you, bro. I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not arguing with you. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I hate that that's the state of affairs, that uh, they've got this many holes to fill and this many issues. You know, Mike, 
Mike, I want to ask you this. I, on paper right now, do you have a better feeling that this team going into next season will be better than what it was last year? No. Because I don't. No, no, absolutely not. But then it, it doesn't always play out the way we think. But I, no. I, I, there's no no logical reason to at this moment. But, uh, you know, I, I'm an optimist, man. I want to see what the offseason holds. And, and you know, there, I, I, look, you could have said that about any number of teams at Surprise. So, uh, no, I. but the answer is I, I absolutely am – much more hesitant to project big things for them in 2024. No question about it. So, anyway, Pete, uh, we appreciate the time as always and enjoyed catching up with you and enjoy your off season. I'm sure we'll give you a call from time to time, but uh, we encourage folks to catch you, of course, Mondays with Paselli and Shadrick and uh, weekly with Frank Frangi and the crew as well here on 1010XL. So, thanks for the thoughts this morning. You got it, guys. Take care. All right, buddy. There he goes. Pete Prisco on the way out the door. Uh, and, uh, hey, look, uh, he's echoing Demetrius. I think what a lot of uh, fans feel, It's you can hear the frustration in him, right? They're, it's the lack of physicality. It's the issues uh, with the personnel decisions. It's the holes that are all over the roster seemingly right now. Not, he's not telling any lies on any of that stuff. No, no, he's, he's, he's really not. And I think the biggest issue is, um, you entered last offseason with several holes. You know, left guard was a big one that everybody pointed out. Pass rusher was another one that everybody pointed out. Backup running back was another one. Um, they got the backup running back, or at least so they thought, but they didn't address the other issues. So you're you're sitting here a year later kind of talking about the same stuff. So that frustration builds, and, and, and you, you don't really have um, the resources that, that you thought you did. And they spent – picks in consecutive years on finding that backup running back, right? So they spent a fifth-round pick. That guy's gone now. And they spent a third-round pick this year. And we were all excited about what we saw in the offseason from Tank Bigsby, but it never came to fruition. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of investment for no production uh, in that department. All right, uh, Pete Prisco out the door. Demetrius Harvey is here with us for the remainder of the show until noon. So take advantage. If you've got specific Jaguar questions or comments you want to get on board at 641 641- 1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. That's the easiest way to do it. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, we move along here. Jaguars today. Got Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union in studio here with us. He's got that little uh, Schefter Rappaport thing going on. Tony, it's all right. You don't have to put the phone away. (laughs) I might peek at it and get some breaking news on the uh, Jaguar front. Over there, it's all good, man. We're we're uh, we're we're just jealous. Is all is what we are. Um, somebody uh, we we're talking about running back and what the Jags have invested in. Somebody on the text line is on my lifetime enclosures. Look at the fifth round specifically last year. The guys that came after Connor, Jerome Ford, Kyron Williams, Ty Chandler, all of them have had major impacts for their teams. Look, we know. I know. I I appreciate it. I do like the feedback and all that. That is great because we do get things sent to us and we're like, oh, hadn't thought of that. Uh, we've talked about this one a little bit, particularly the Kyron Williams one is just gutting. And I get maybe the Rams didn't think he would turn into that, but he did turn into that. And Snoop Connor's now off your roster. Cowboys, by the mm-hmm. way, signed him to a futures contract, so he's not even on your practice squad anymore. He's gone. Fifth round pick, poof, nothing yeah. to show for it. Look, I don't think Detroit is foolish for having drafted Jameer Gibbs, right? Like he's been really, he, that's a dynamic playmaker on the offensive side of the ball. The Rams are brilliant for having drafted Kyron Williams, right, and using him the way they did. The issue isn't with the Jags investing a late-round pick in a running back. Fine. It looks like they invested a late-round pick in the wrong running back, 
and Snoop Connor. It's that they follow that up by drafting another one in the third round who isn't as good as the guy they pick up in Dearness Johnson. He's just not as good a player as Dearness Johnson is, and you can get running backs that you can play any week. They can be the starter for you. If ETN gets hurt, you're fine with that off the street. You don't have to invest all that much in the running back position in today's NFL, and it keeps getting shoved in your face over and over and over with the deals these guys ultimately get. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you really don't. You look at guys like Drum Ford, uh, in Cleveland, and I, I know that you know he didn't have uh, some sensational season, but he had a pretty good year. I mean, he was a good receiving back, a good a good running back once once Nick Chubb went down, and he was taken after Snoop Connor, mm-hmm. I believe. So you know, it it, it it's one of those situations where um, why are you sort of pressing for this? Um, last year in, in particular, you had a lot of other needs. Everyone talked about the offensive line. Everyone talked about pass rush. Everyone talked about maybe corner depth. You know, different things like that. It feels like it's it's a luxury if you pick a running back in the third round. You know, you're the th- that's the key right? to back up your productive first round pick. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking for the next yeah. guy and you don't have that guy, I get it. Third round picks sometimes turn out to be stars. Fifth round picks turn out to be stars, and it's not like the Jags starting at nine and building to thirteen draft picks didn't yeah. have the draft capital to burn one for on sure. a running back. Yeah. Just a third round pick. That guy has got to come in. And make a major impact on this team. All right, let, let's put the backup running back issues aside because we got more uh, meteor issues to chew on with you, Demetrius. Uh, let's start in with Cam Robinson, who we mm-hmm. talked about with Pete. And one of the puzzle pieces on this offensive line, I totally understand Cam's experience. He's probably your best left tackle at this moment in time. But it, it is also a financial consideration, all these deals. And you can save $16 million and reallocate that and maybe find a replacement. Maybe you have one, at least in the short term, you know, you, with Walker Little here, you've got a pair of tackles. How would you approach Cam? Would you just have him back? Would you be looking to save that money? Or are you approaching him on a restructure if you can? Yeah, I, I honestly might approach him on a restructure or extension, whatever you would want to call it, because I feel like he is still their most consistent um, left tackle that they have. And, and maybe it's not Walker Little's fault. You know, I know he was thrown around. You know, he was sort of a, a, a tackle, and then he was a guard, and then he was a tackle and a guard. And, and, and I get it. It was tough. But, you know, he didn't come out as consistent as you would like. He, didn't, he wasn't as productive as you, would, as you would like at left guard or left tackle. Um, so I feel like at this point, you know, you have your guy in Cam Robinson at left tackle who you've, you know, liked over the years. I know Trent Baalke is a huge fan of Cam Robinson. Um, so as long as he's in charge, I feel like, uh, you know, at that point they still like him and they would like to have him back. Um, now the, the, the big question becomes, what do you do with, with Walker at that point? Will he just move full time to left guard or do you sort of just have him as a swing tackle and then you're moving on next year? I, I, I really don't know. How do you feel he is? He plays as a left guard. Do we have Walker we seen Little? enough to know? Yeah. You you really, we really haven't. How many games did he play at, at left guard? Maybe yeah. four. Yeah, not much. Right. So I mean, he got hurt. You didn't really see too much. It looked shaky to start. I think in that Bills game, and then uh, I think he got hurt in that game. Yep. And so he went down, and you didn't really see anything. And then uh, the next time he came back in, it, it it looked like he was still trying to get back. And then I think he got hurt again. So you know it's. It's really hard to tell. You don't know, and so that's a big question. You know, do you view him as a left guard or do you view him as a tackle? And that's something that the Jaguars are going to have to figure out. Yeah, it's uh, surprising at this point in time. The guy was taken in the second round of the same draft as Trevor Lawrence, right? That 
he hasn't forced his way into the starting lineup on a permanent basis. And I can't imagine that they envisioned that that would be the case heading into the 2024 offseason tone. At what point in the process, Demetrius, do you look at a guy like Anton Harrison that is a first-round pick that does maybe his better position is left tackle? I think he showed his rookie year he can play right tackle for you and be fine, right? Like he's a really good right tackle for you, but his better position may ultimately be on the left side of the offensive line. You have all the complications we just went through with Cam Robinson and the money, and they could, you know, save the $16 million, which wouldn't hurt them, yeah. uh, you know, going into this offseason. So how seriously should they be looking at, okay, if we go into the year, Cam doesn't want to help us on the financial side, mm. right? Like say he doesn't want to budge. And the, from a financial standpoint, how seriously should they be considering, okay, Anton's the left tackle, Walker's the right tackle for now going into the offseason and the draft, and we're okay with that? Yeah, I mean, there, there's got to be some consideration to it. And, and, and I think it's because not only because of the, the money and all that comes with that, it's also age and injuries. You know, Cam, back-to-back years now, has had, you know, knee injuries that have made him miss some time. Now, he did come back this year, um, but, you know, who's to say – Next year he doesn't get hurt again or or whatever it may be. And I know that's not fair, but that's something that teams have to put into consideration. You have to be available. You know, he was coming off his four-game suspension as well. Um, there was just a lot going on with him this, this season where um, you almost don't want to rely on that uh, necessarily. So, yeah, you know, having – Anton cross-train at left tackle. I, I don't really see why they wouldn't, and I don't even know if you have to cross-train him since, since he's played the position before. So, um, to me, I, I feel like if, if you go into the season, you you say you want to keep Cam Robinson, um, then, then you play Anton Harrison at right tackle, and perhaps if you didn't extend Cam, maybe in the future Anton is your left tackle and you have to end up replacing Anton essentially at right tackle later down the line. Uh, mentally, is Cooper Hodges your opening day right guard right now? I mean, look, Sheriff's still on the roster, but you could save $9 million on the salary cap. Uh, you still have about $15 million in dead money. You know, so I, the way you got to look at it, would you pay Brandon Sheriff $9 million to be your right guard this year? Because you're going to eat $15 million in cap space regardless. Now, the cash is a different story, but sure. that's the owner's problem. You know what I mean? Like, he's got it. Um, what do you think they do with Sheriff and or Hodges, or are we looking at just an open competition? I I think, you know, if they are going to have to make decisions on the contracts, you know, Brandon Sheriff is the easiest, obvious one to me that they kind of have to move on from. You know, he's regressed. He didn't look like um, the Washington, you know, Brandon Sheriff that he was once he signed last year. He, he was good, but he wasn't that, that guy. And then I think he took another step back this year dealing with injuries again. Um, so, yeah, he's a guy that I think you're going to have to move on from. Now, when it comes from Cooper Hodges, or when it comes to Cooper Hodges, I I don't really know how you can say, yeah, you're We have him no in idea, like, right? I mean, the, guy play, the guy hasn't even played, really. I mean, he played a, one preseason game, I think, and then he got hurt. Um, and, and so I, I don't really see why you would um, go into with, with the mindset of, yes, our seventh, I believe, seventh-round pick. Um, is going to be our starting right guard next year. I mean, I, I know they love him. Um, he's a guy that, that they think has some development. But um, when I was talking to Phil Roucher, even at the end of training camp, he said he has a lot of development to do still. You know, they're, they're going to want to work him into it. Um, and there was even some talk of him maybe coming off of um, IR just to just to get him out there. But then he had surgery. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a situation where I can't say Cooper Hodges at all. I think that's outside the organization rather than 
inside. With all the complications along the offensive line that we just discussed, what do they do with Cam? What position is Anton playing? Is Sheriff even still on the roster? What odds would you put on Luke Fortner being the opening day center for this team next year? Yeah, I know he's a. I know he's a guy that a lot of fans um, have have talked about, and 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 rightfully so. You know, he's somebody who you expected to sort of take that next year jump, um, a la Trayvon Walker to an extent, and and he just didn't. And I think that the Jags thought um, he was sort of moving and progressing in that direction at the beginning of the year, and then I think at a certain point uh, that sort of ended, and and he sort of regressed a little bit. And so that's sort of something where I think you do have to go into this draft thinking, hey. We're going to have to draft a couple offensive linemen anyway. I think one of them should be a center just in case. You got it. You have to create competition because uh, what we haven't seen the last two years um, has been competition at that position. I, I know we can argue um, Tyler Shatley during his, his rookie season, but you know if, if you remember, Luke Fortner came in and instantly was the starter at mm-hmm. center. It wasn't Tyler Shatley. Tyler Shatley was the starting left guard for a while, then Ben Barch, and you know we, we, we know what happened. So to me, I feel like, um, at this point, I, I, I do think you have to sort of go in a different direction, or at least you have to try. Doug Peterson seems to back his guy yeah, when asked about Luke time. Fortner. So is uh, is Doug just backing his guy, or is he, like me, a poor evaluator of offensive line play? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big question, I guess. I mean, uh, no, I, I I don't think that Doug is a poor evaluator of, of I'm, I'm being line, facetious, but, but yeah, I know. And but you know, you know, some people might think that way, and so I, I, I do think that it's a situation where he's not going to go out and trash the guy. I mean, why would he? What if I was? No, if, I get you that. Know, so, so to me, there, there's like a, a middle ground where you kind of have to, you kind of have to sit back and just see what they do. Just you know, actions speak louder than words, sort of thing. And, and and I do think that they know. You know, Luke Fortner has to improve. All right. Well, we know we've got another hour to go with Demetrius Harvey or the Florida Times Union. Uh, we'll get into some of the big offseason storylines. Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, and the hope for improvement from Demetrius Trevor Demetrius is going to make the timing of this Calvin Ridley thing make sense to us. That's yeah, what's going to well, happen. Yeah. If anyone can. <laughs> I, We're putting I, it on you, Big right. Meech. What exactly <laughs> do we have to do to hang on to our second-round pick and still maybe have Calvin Ridley on this roster? We'll discuss that and more going forward with Demetrius Harvey, 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. <laughs> Tony, how many times in the last couple weeks have I go, well, Demetrius said, when, uh-huh. it, when it comes to, <laughs> to like what Calvin Ridley's situation is I know, yeah. about the contract extension. We're going to get clarity right now. I hope so. I don't, <laughs> Tony's really setting you up right here, Demetrius. Demetrius Harvey, Florida Times Union. You know him, you love him on social media at Demetrius82. And uh, even the people that, that hate me are tuning in today, uh, Demetrius, for you. And that I appreciate it. And that's why we're, we have you here, uh, to suck them back in. <laughs> but there's been a lot of talk since they made the deal for Calvin Ridley. It was a pick, and then it was a future pick included. We know that it's going to be at least the Jaguars' third-round pick. If they sign Ridley to a, quote, extension, then they will owe their second-round pick. The extent, what is the definition of an extension? Does it have to come within this league year? What is your understanding about the parameters surrounding this deal? So, my understanding of it, and anyone can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, no, I, no, you're my source, so please don't say that. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm saying, I'm, I've yet to hear um, 
anyone say anything different. And so that's interesting, but I keep getting asked. So I'll, I'll say this, you know, if the Jaguars sign Calvin Ridley before the new league year, which is our March 13th, if they sign him to an extension, if he signs a franchise tag, if he signs a one-year deal, anything, then he, then the, the, then the Jaguars will owe the, the Falcons a second-round pick. If he doesn't else, it's a third-round pick. That's it. It's, it's that simple. So it's the start of the league year. Okay, so this brings up a very interesting scenario. Mm-hmm. Right now – your colleagues, and we'll let you weigh in on this. Uh, I've gotten the growing sense uh, talking to like Mike DeRocco and Hayes Carleone. Is that how you say it? <laughs> um, and uh, John Osier. <laughs> That's a little, little inside joke right there. Uh, Hayes Carline. Um, that the franchise tag for Josh Allen is the more likely road that they're going to go down. Mm-hmm. Is that. Do you think that's by preference, or do you think that's what people think? They're not going to be able to get this deal done. The two sides will be too far apart. Let's start there. What do you think gets done with Allen? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, um, you would have needed to start negotiate. And, and I don't know if they are or not, but you would need to start negotiations now. Uh, Trent does not do negotiations in the season ever. It, it just won't happen. That's never going to be his philosophy, uh, like it or not. So you have to start those negotiations now before, you know, two months pass. And, and to me, I think that that means uh, you're probably going to franchise tag them kind of like Evan Ingram just to buy yourself some more time, uh, see what the market bears, whatever it may be, and, and sort of t- uh, sign them thin. You know, to me, that, that would be a mistake, but I could sort of see their thought process with, hey, we'll, we'll give ourselves a little bit more time. A though. mistake for which reason? Let me play yeah. devil's advocate, okay? I am the Jags, right? Josh Allen's going to want – North of $25 million, right? Tony and I are looking at the deal signed last year by Montez Sweat and Rashawn Gary. I think Josh Allen's a better player than those guys. Certainly, when you compare his numbers to Rashawn Gary, he's been Absolutely. much more effective as a pass rusher. Okay, so Allen wants north of that, but now you're starting to push up to the upper 20s into 30, and maybe you could franchise tag him for $23 million. And even if you do it again next year, you're going to save a lot of money on two years. He's only had the two big years – uh, had three very kind of average pass rush seasons. So from the devil's advocate standpoint, I can understand them wanting to see it again, but how does that play in the locker room if you don't reward Josh Allen after the season he had? I don't know this for a fact, but it, it can't play well. I mean, you have a guy that does everything the right way, and, and I mean comes early, stays late, um, you know, is is sound physically, and, and it, it doesn't seem like he gets hurt very often. Uh, it, there's there's so many things. He was super productive this year. Seventeen and a half sacks is not easy. It's a franchise record for a reason, right? So yeah. you know, it it to me, it wouldn't play well to have him stay on the franchise tag and play on the franchise tag. And it, honestly, um, it might be a little extreme, but if I were him, I, I don't know if I would play on the franchise tag. Mm, inter- uh, that's a scenario we haven't yeah. really even discussed. Yeah. All right, let's say they get a deal worked out with Josh Allen, okay, and before the start of the league year. Uh, you've actually only got until March 4th to apply the yes. franchise tag, right? So you got the it's a two-week window from the February 20th to the 4th. So let, but let's be optimistic, and in the next month, they get a deal done with Josh Allen. So they go into that window, and they go, okay, we want to retain Calvin Ridley. We'll apply the franchise tag. If I'm Ridley... And you are correct in that in signing that tag before March 13th triggers the second round pick. I say, all right, you, you put that on me. I'm signing it right away. Right? I mean, that's your your leverage to not get franchise tag. Yeah, it, 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 
That would be interesting, I guess. I, I never really thought about that scenario where Calvin and his agent would kind of conspire a little bit. Um, you know, I don't it, even know if it's conspire. It's just like this This is the print. This Look, is my way it, to know what my market is. I want to know what yeah. my market value I want to hit free agency. I'd like to be back in Jacksonville, but I don't want to turn down the opportunity. I've never had a second contract, right? He played mm-hmm. on the fifth-year option on his rookie deal this past year, right? Now, if, it, it, if he signs that franchise tag, I actually don't know this right off the top of my head. Can, can he still sign an extension after? If he signs the franchise tag or after a certain period of time has passed, there's a time, right? Yeah. Like you, it's you, the Evan Ingram thing. Like you can still sign it. They could have still worked out a long term deal mm-hmm. with Ingram. It was on the same, I think, timeline that you had to get it done for a long term deal. Yeah, yeah, and it's there's no one else can negotiate with them. Obviously, like you'd be taking that out of the picture. I'm just looking at the worst case. It's not, it's not the worst case scenario because that would mean you'd have Josh Allen under contract long term, and that mm-hmm. would be fine. Let me ask you, what is your priority with Ridley? I mean, how important is he to bring back to this football team? He's he's important. Um, I don't know if he's as important as you would have thought last going into the season, I guess. Um, and and I and I only say that because you can make a lot of moves. You can draft a you can draft a receiver. There's obviously going to be a couple free agents out there. T. Higgins is a guy that everybody uh, talks about. Um, we don't know if the Bengals can retain him because of Jamar Chase, things like that. Um, so to me, I don't necessarily think that you know Ridley is priority number one. Obviously, and, and, and I don't know how I, I don't know if it's like a close gap between Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley in terms of who you need to retain uh, moving in, in, into next season. But I do I will say um, I do think that it's important that they keep him. You know, barring you know being locked in on on getting a guy like T Higgins, somebody like that. Um, because you know you don't have much depth behind him. I mean, we saw that this year. Yeah. We, we we saw when Zay Jones went down, when Christian Kirk went down, there was an issue. So yeah, I, I do think it's pretty important to retain a guy like Calvin. You mentioned how important this this window is right now, and the negotiations with Josh Allen, and how much they should be on it now, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't do it during the season. Do you know? If they had any extension talks with Josh Allen last off season, and how far those things may have gone? No, they 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 went in with with the intention of playing him on the fifth year option, and that was that. There was no there was no we're going to extend you or or whatever. It was we're going to play you on the fifth year option, then we'll see from there. See, and I I know a lot of people have said, ah, oh, you know, they missed the opportunity to get something done with Josh Allen, but. There's a guy who's coming off a seven-sack season. If you give that guy $20 million and he goes out and has seven or eight sacks again, I mean, you're looking pretty stupid, right? <laughs> I, like, I, sometimes you have to let it play out. Like, I don't really – me personally, I don't fault them for that. That I, I don't – I didn't see paying him at the top of the market – based on where the last three years of production yeah. were. He had more get, sacks this year than the last three years combined. Yeah, I get why they did it the way they did it. I would have been willing to offer him the $20 million last sure. offseason, right? Like, that's something I would have been willing to do. I understand why the team didn't want to do that, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't think it's foolish for them to have not done it, but I would have been willing to do it. And now, obviously, it's going to cost you significantly more than that, and that's that's playing the game, man. That's the gamble you you you, you sort of take. And honestly, it was a good gamble. I mean, if you're the Jaguars, are you really – are you really mad that he got 17 and a half Hell sacks and no. all of a sudden you have to no. pay him more? Like, but, I, but have you not heard? Most of those sacks didn't mean anything. Uh, I mean, that's the Josh. new – like, uh, <laughs> what, what impact plays did Josh Allen make? Are you kidding me? They only won nine games, so he mm-hmm. couldn't have had I, – I don't know what anybody wants, man. Well, then how do you make the argument the year before that they shouldn't have paid him considering he had the most impactful play of their entire season yeah. with that fumble return? Right? Like, then if that's your argument for why they shouldn't pay Josh Allen now – 
then you couldn't have made an argument last offseason to not pay him. Yeah, no, that was the most impactful play that they they, they had all season. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you should have paid the guy, right? You know, that that would be the uh, growing consensus. So, so yeah, to, to, to me, you know, the, the whole Josh Allen thing, I think you pay him um, pretty much, I'm not going to say whatever he wants, but, you know, around that range where. Right, that's know, the thing, right? People say give him whatever he wants. What if he wants Nick Bosa money? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what if he wants $32 million a year? That's the top of the market, right? I mean, I'm not paying him that, you know, um, but, you know, you got to do it more consistently than he's done it to get that. I'm not saying that's what he's looking for. I have no idea what he's looking for. But if I'm Josh yeah. Allen, they offer me $25 million a year based on those deals given out last year, I'm saying no thank you. I mean, I appreciate it, but no thank you. Uh, I I guess it would depend on what the guaranteed money is. Because right. in the end, I mean, Josh Allen's susceptible to get hurt like anybody else. And, and you know, if you're getting $50 million, $60 million guaranteed, um, something to consider, I suppose. All right, Demetrius Harvey here with us. Let's talk about – you mentioned Zay Jones. Let's talk about him because it's another guy that we haven't yep. talked a whole lot about and what this wide receiver core is going to look like this year and how big a priority adding – pass catchers needs to be this offseason with Demetrius Harvey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark. I'm Mike Dempsey. You're listening to Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars today on 1010XL. Chopping it up with Big Meech. Oh, E.T. is jealous right now, man. He's, you know, he's out there in the hallways looking through the window, watching us all sad that he's not officially on the Jaguars Today show right now. Um, Pockets is enjoying it. You can check him out in Pockets Cam on the uh, Jaguars Today YouTube channel, the 1010XL YouTube channel. All right, let's get jump back into it here with Demetrius. Uh, we're going to invite you back many more times throughout the offseasons, and we appreciate you giving us time today because there are so many things to dig into. Let's spend some time here on where the Jags can save salary cap space this year, okay? Um with guys who are currently under contract, starting with Cam Robinson. We talked about it with Pete a little bit earlier. What do you suspect is their approach with Cam? Is it, you know, do you think he'll be a starter on this offensive line this year? Or will he be on this roster? I, I, I really do think that he's going to be their opening day left tackle next year. And it's because I, I think that he's, he's been the most consistent at that position. And to me, if you're hitting into year, you know, three with Trevor, um, I guess technically year four, but year three with Trevor, and um, and and you need to have a solidified guy there. I feel like you have to keep Cam Robinson. Then he brings an energy, a different kind of, you know, the players talk about it, the coaches talk about it. Um, you know, he just brings a different level to that offense. So I I do think that you know, in some way, shape, or form, they have to retain him somehow. I mean, All right, so Cam back. Yep. Um, Sheriff move on from. Yes. Save nine million in cap space. What about Zay Jones? Yeah, that, that's a tough one. I mean, and so to me, I I, I do think they're gonna end up moving on from him, and and, uh, and and it's a lot to do with you know availability. You know, last year he just he he didn't have a good year health wise. It's not his fault. You know, injuries happen in the NFL, but you know, um, Justin Lewis, who who works for us at, at at the Times Union, he reported you know that Zay was playing on a. Um, Partially torn, you know, PCL injury, you know, a, a, a you know sprain, whatever it may be. Um, he had cartilage damage in his femur, um, and then obviously the hamstring injury and things of that nature. So you know, it it was not a good um, into the year for him, and and I do think that at this point, you know, his with his cap number, all that kind of stuff, it it just makes sense for them to sort of move on from him and uh, go after somebody else. And, and by the way, that cap number, uh, if he was on the team, if he is on the team, is uh, about $11.1 million, mm -hmm. I believe. And uh, you could save about five 
uh, five and a half against the cap if he's not on the team. Um, what about Rayshon Jenkins? He's another one where I think they drafted his replacement last year in Antonio Johnson, and you sort of saw what what Antonio was able to do. Now I know he's playing primarily nickel in replacement of uh, Trey Herndon uh, on on those early downs, those those sort of obvious rundowns, and then when Trey came in, it was more of a passing down situation near the end of the season, but. Um, to me, that was you know a start of something to where you're going to be able to get Antonio on the field more. I thought Rayshon took a step back from his uh, second year with with the team in in 2022. You know, moving into this year, so you know I, I do think that he he he's a guy that that you're going to have to sort of move on from as well, just because of the cap number, and then you have a replacement in the house. Is there anybody else that we're missing? Like you could save seven million with moving on from Foye Luikin, yeah. but then you're creating a massive hole, it feels like, in the middle of this defense. Yeah, I, I don't think that you move on from Foyer. He's a, he's a guy that, um, you know, is the only consistent linebacker on, on the team right now. And, you know, it, it, you're hitting into a, a new season with a new defensive coordinator. The last thing to me you want to do is, is get rid of, you know, your sort of leader on defense as well and have to replace him with somebody else. Um, whether it be Chad Muma or Devin Lloyd or, or, or a, a mixture, whatever it would be. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't move on from Foyer. I think the only other one, um, not to say you would move on from him, but that's going to be talked about is Darius Williams, um, you know, because of his his cap number as well. But, you know, he's a guy where I don't see how you can move on from him considering the depth there or the lack thereof and then obviously a, a new defense coordinator as well. Uh, Darius Williams' cap hit. Is ten and a half million dollars this year. His dead cap is only a half million. Yeah. So you would save ten million outright, but wouldn't you probably need to turn around and spend a bunch of that ten million on getting another corner right. in here? You would think, right? I mean, that's the thing. You create that opening, and qual- starting corners are not cheap. Darius Williams, I think, arguably the second most impactful defensive player on this team. This past year, arguably, mm-hmm. certainly uh, in the conversation after Josh Allen. Absolutely. He had, I think, did he have two touchdowns um, taken back? or uh, he, he had at least one and then four interceptions, I believe. Tons of pass 19 breakups. pass breakups. Right. I mean, the guy was the most consistent player in, in the secondary all year, easily. I mean, I didn't even see him down the stretch even. Like, I, I, I didn't, I don't remember saying, wow, Darius Williams really didn't do well there. You know, I know they had that sort of missed coverage and, and things like that sometimes, but, you know, other than that, I felt like he was the most consistent player. It's interesting because probably some of these deals were structured to be, you know, two-year deals. Yeah. yeah. And now you look at the third year, Tony, and you're like, well, okay, we could save $10 million, but then what are we going to do a corner? Yeah, it's everything that they had planned to do, right? It's it that the conversation you just had about Foyer explains why they kept investing a middle linebacker over and over and over again. It was, well, in a couple of years, it would help us financially to be able to move on from Foyer Lucan. And now you get to it and it's like, we can't move on from that guy. We don't have anybody to replace that at all, despite the fact that we spent a first and two third round picks on the position, right? Like, despite having done that, you or a third and a fourth, despite having done that, you still haven't found anybody that you step in and you say, if we walked away from Foyer, we're comfortable with Devin Lloyd playing that position. Not so much. No, no. You 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 drafted Chan Muma, uh, right? And so, to your point, you thought they that got maybe it at safety a couple times. Yeah, yeah. They, they, and they do. They they have they have that replacement at at safety. They have that replacement at, or they thought they did maybe on the offensive line with Walker Little, things like that. But you know, they 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 didn't do the same thing with Chad Muma. Not really because of 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 what we've seen now from from him. 
from Devin Lloyd as well because you have to, it, it if you're if you're okay with Foyer moving on you have to also be okay with what you get from Devin and I feel like they they still haven't gotten what they necessarily want from Devin at this point. Uh, what about Fatakasi? Uh, yeah. Somebody mentioned right three. You could say like three point six million on the cap. I mean, the, I would do it. I mean, they're I, not I, good against the run now. It, it's, it's to me, and it's nothing against Foley, obviously, but uh, he just is not. He's, he just did not have a good year at all. Um, I thought that he was the most disappointing player on defense. Now, some of that maybe could be attributed to his early injury. I'm not sure. Um, but I thought he was the most disappointing player just because you did not see that push. You did not see that sort of power that, that, that you wanted, that physicality. Before the year, Doug Peterson said that he wanted Foley to be a dominant force in the middle of their defense, and they, they thought that he might be, um, but he just wasn't. So to me, I wouldn't have any problem with them moving on. Um, I don't necessarily know. You know, you, you save $3 million. I don't know if that's enough, but I know, that's it might the be a thing, principal right? thing because too. It, like you've, he's going to – Count according to Spot Track, nine point two million roughly against the cap if he's not here, right? So that's nine point two in cap space that you won't have regardless. It's not the same as cash because you're not paying him that nine point two, but he'll cost twelve point eight if he's on the team. So three point six million dollars. Here's mm-hmm. a qu- you know for that amount of cap space, does he give you that m- amount of impact and can you replace him for that? I mean, I think that's a consideration as well. Now, Shad Khan's probably like, well, that's $12.8 million in actual cash I'm handing this guy. It's not just the three point eight. So maybe we'll find a guy who can give us the same level of production for uh, $2.5 million and we'll save a bunch of money and a little bit of cap space, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, and they drafted Tyrell Lacey last year, not to say he was to re- replace um, Foley, but, you know, they, they, they have, you know, in in-house guys that maybe they can sort of push up a little bit more um but yeah you know it, it, to me it's one of those situations where you have to look at it like how much more will this guy be able to give us and you know do we want to move on in order to bring in somebody else to not even compete for that sort of spot you know i i could see their thought process of oh it only saves us three million we don't need it so go ahead and and, and keep him and then maybe bring in some competition and and, and go from there but on the other hand, are you going to sit there and pay pay a guy all that money um, to not contribute? So to me, I feel like if, if there was another situation where they needed to spend or, or um, needed to cut some space, I do think he would make sense. Uh, does Shaq Quarterman figure in at all to this equation, or is he just going to be depth as long as he's here? Um, Shaq Quarterman? Yeah. Uh, I mean, is, is he – He's a free agent this this coming. I don't think mm-hmm. so. No. Twenty twenty one twenty. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah, he year. is a free agent. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. is. Uh, for some reason, I thought he had another year in his deal. No, you're good. I mean, but but to to your point, I, I do think that you know having depth like him, you know, it it, it would it, it would only come into the equation if if you're talking about special teams, you know, the right. players players that you want to keep. A Caleb Johnson, if you want to re-sign him, guys like that. You and know. Ventrell's back. What, what do they think Ventrell Miller is? Yeah. What do they think he is? Um, I think they think that he's a. a guy who can run he's a guy that can sort of get downhill quick traits has traits i mean but you Mm. i mean that's all you got it's same thing with uh cooper hodges that's all you got is traits i mean i i I don't believe anybody who comes to me and says oh yeah cooper hodges is gonna be a great right guard uh you know ventrell miller is gonna be a great linebacker because they didn't play they were hurt too i mean you you really you can't say it so you know i watch i covered ventrell miller for a couple years when i was covering florida uh Fast physical guy. No, I wouldn't say fast in, in 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 the sense of coverage, but I would say fast in the sense of gets downhill quickly. Um, physical guy can play special teams. I don't know necessarily if that's what he would want to do, but he would be forced to, obviously. 
Um, but yeah, to me right now, special teams, depth kind of guy, I wouldn't be able to count on him. Gotcha. Um, somebody asked on the text line, Design My Lifetime Enclosures, what about the transition tag for Ridley? First of all, if you use the franchise tag on Josh Allen, you only get to use one tag, yes. right? But let's say that they got a deal worked out with Josh Allen. Well, the, the transition tag, as opposed to being the average of the top five players at your position, is the average of the top ten. So that's a benefit for the team. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't preclude the guy from going out there and signing a deal somewhere else and you don't get any compensation yeah you don't get the draft compensation coming back either right right like that was the conversation we had with Jawan Taylor last year like what is the market actually going to be for this guy as a free agent and we briefly discussed the idea of maybe the transition tag might make sense for a guy like Jawan Taylor and figure out what you got to figure out with Evan Ingram right at the same time like that kind of thing was part of the conversation but it came down to well, if you do it that way, then you're getting nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And if someone comes in and offers basically what Kansas City was willing to offer, you're I don't think the Jags are anywhere, matching right? that, no, right? Like either. he's out the door in that circumstance. And look, I'm not saying that Calvin's exactly that. I'm not sure that if you put him on the transition tag that he's going to be that mm -hmm. as far as the offers that he's going to get. But there's at least enough of an appetite for wide receiver in the league right now that a guy that has the skill set that Calvin Ridley does – that somebody might be willing to pay, you know, that $23, million, $24 million range. Who's and out there? Higgins? If Higgins goes back to Cincinnati and Mike Evans goes back to Tampa, he's, Calvin Ridley may be the he's among the handful of the free yeah. agent crop at wide receiver. Yeah, you look at the list right now, and those two guys top all those lists, and then basically you have Pittman, you have Marquise Brown, and you have Calvin Ridley. Those are the guys that are the top five on virtually every free agent wide receiver list you see right now. And I get it. Pittman's younger. He's also a different type of receiver. Totally different. I'd rather have Ridley than Marquise Brown. I think Marquise Brown's mm -hmm. more, to this point, proven to be more of a one-trick pony, mm -hmm. uh, but that's a pretty good trick when you can run as fast as no he doubt. does and stretch the field. I'm not saying he's without value, and under the right circumstances, I could see him here in Jacksonville as well. I, you know, it's tough. Uh, and be, others have said, hey, let Ridley walk get a compensatory pick the next year. Well, they're likely to get several this year, but part of the formula is not just who you lose, it's who you offset them yes. with. Mm -hmm. And so if you go out there and the Jags have all these holes and they're able to create some cap space and they sign a couple of guys uh, at to pretty sizable contracts, that's going to offset some of what you get yeah. back in the formula. So instead of getting a third-round pick if Ridley signs a big deal, you might end up getting a fifth or a sixth-round pick yeah. And, and an we've, we've done so well with those. Right. Well, last offseason as well, we all expected the team to lay back in free agency. Mm -hmm. Like, we didn't expect them to be sure. active. This year, I don't know how active they're going to be in free agency, but more, more active, active than last year. Sure. Right? So, whatever the compensatory formula is, it's going to be impacted by that as well. So, it may not be as much a a something they're thinking about when they're thinking about Calvin Ridley and all these other guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely not going to be. I mean, to me, they can't afford to be uh, Michael Dogby, Henry Mondu, right. mm. are, are your guys. You know, though. And then when you ask about them, it's like, yeah, they're depth players. Yeah. So, you McManus know, Manis was the big splash yeah. in free agency last year. <laughs> right. That, that right. was that was the big surprise where you're like, oh, wow, OK, they, they, they got somebody. Mm -hmm. But but you also didn't think that they had to. I mean, they kind of it, it all kind of washed away on all of us. So I, I do think that, you know, this year they're going to have to be more um, exact with what they do. They're going to have to make, uh, you know, pointed decisions in terms of bringing in guys. You know, obviously depth is, is a serious need. And and so, yeah, I, I, I do think with, with the situation that we were just talking about with Calvin 
you know, is he going to command that sort of money because of Michael Pittman and 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 Marquise Brown being the being the only two other ones besides if if a T Higgins and a and a Mike Evans are sort of locked up. Though you know, Calvin Ridley is the best of that bunch. But you know, I, I guess the other factor will be you know Calvin Ridley's age at, at you know entering his thirty thirty um, year old season, I believe. So yeah, so it, it's it's gonna be a very difficult decision. Um, but I do think they have to be more active in the uh, agency. Speaking of compensatory picks, somebody asking about Arden Key. Um, I've seen projections for like a sixth rounder mm-hmm. is what you're likely to get for Arden Key. But the Juwan Taylor's contract, it, the size of the contract that they sign has a big uh, influence on this. And Juwan Taylor is expected to net the Jags a third rounder. Yeah. Then keep in mind, they all come at the end of the third round after the, the third round has rolled out. They're still valuable. That's about as valuable as you can get, though, compensatory pick-wise. So maybe they pick up a third uh, maybe they pick up a six for Arden Key. Those are the likely ones that I've heard bandied about more than anything, but uh, we'll find out in due time. All right, one more segment with Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. Stick around. Plenty more to do here. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, got a lot to do, just a little bit of time to do it in with Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union. Here comes the phone again. I, is it good <laughs> stuff? Are we? Is it interesting? Like, I, I've been peeking. I, I see, like, it's all Jaguar-related stuff. I don't know. I'm trying to nothing I'm trying, to, I'm trying to peek. Nothing Nothing breaking. Nothing right? breaking. No, nothing that needs to go at Demetrius82 right now on yeah. social media that you need to get out there. If you need to, we understand. you got a day job, man. We appreciate <laughs> you joining us today. Uh, we've got a league to look at. In addition to the Jags, what's going on with the other 31 teams? Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The Tennessee Titans are reportedly working out the details on a deal that would make Cincinnati offensive coordinator Brian Callahan their next head coach. Baltimore head coach John Harbaugh had a similar answer about both tight end Mark Andrews and cornerback Marlon Humphrey's availability for the AFC Championship game this week after both were unable to play in the divisional round win over Houston on Saturday, saying about Andrews, quote, if he's ready to play, he'll play. And then about Humphreys, quote, I'm pretty sure if he can be out there, he'll for sure be out there, end quote. After an MRI, the Chiefs are calling the injury that guard Joe Tooney suffered a pectoral strain. His status for Sunday in the AFC Championship game is unclear. Detroit center Frank Ragnow suffered a sprained knee and ankle on Sunday, but is expected to be able to play in the NFC Championship game this week. San Francisco head coach said that they should know more regarding the availability of wide receiver Debo Samuel on Wednesday, also saying that Samuel's shoulder was hurting too much on Sunday for them to know yet whether or not he would even have a chance to play this week. And Carolina has hired Dan Morgan as their general manager and president of football operations. That feels like a guy who worked in the building that we're going to have a hard time attracting anybody to come work for David Tepper. Let's uh, continue to promote from within. Yeah. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. Maybe Dan Morgan's the next great general manager. First round pick in 2001? Is that right? I yeah. don't remember the By year. Carolina. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember. I mean, he's a legacy player for him. All right. Uh, we've got Demetrius Harvey here with us. So uh, why don't we let him handle today's 1010 take? 10 10 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10 10 take. Brought to you by Leonard Truck Accessories and Trailers. All right, that's why you're here, Demetrius, to handle the 10 10 take today. In, in all seriousness, um, we, we focus on some of these big issues offense, defense, mm-hmm. special teams, 
not to be overlooked. Uh, Jamal Agnew has been an impact player in the return game. He's also been an impact receiver at times. Brandon McManus was brought in to improve the kicking situation. They're both free agents. How do you think uh, it goes with those two? Yes, starting with Jamal, I, it, it feels like a situation where, you know, he's gotten hurt the last couple of years while his production on special teams is is incredible and he's a great resource in the punt return game and, and the kick return game whenever he gets the opportunity. It just feels like that's a situation where you almost kind of move on because, at least in their minds, they've drafted his replacement, Parker Washington, uh, you saw as soon as Jamal Agnew went down, Parker Washington came up, and he kind of played that role. Same thing when Christian Kirk went down, things like that. So, yeah, I feel like Jamal Agnew is a guy that they're probably going to move on from. Um, Brandon McManus also is a guy I think that they're going to move on from. You know, he's an expiring contract. He's going to be a free agent um, only because, you know, late in the season, I know he had a hot start, but late mm-hmm. in the season, he down the stretch, he just wasn't consistent enough. That Cincinnati game and the way that Doug talked about him throughout the throughout the rest of the year just felt like, hey, they're probably going to move on and try to find a different guy. Tyler Bass may be available, from what <laughs> I understand. I don't know. i just uh, throwing a name out there. It is yeah. funny, man. I that mean, you know, we, we mentioned it yesterday. Josh Lambeau stunk with the Chargers. He was great for a while here. Jason Myers couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, goes on to become a pro bowler. It, that's just the nature of this position, you know. It, the, the Justin Tuckers of the world are few and far between that you can lock them in for a decade uh, plus. The Jags have had some of that, uh, and we've been lucky – to have that. Um, let me ask you about this. I, I, we asked people today for the reaction to the Ryan Nielsen hiring, and we'll probably get into some of those reactions a little bit more tomorrow. I haven't had time to discuss some of the feedback today. Um, this is not qu- like I've seen some of it. Well, uh, I liked it, but Balky made the pick, so it can't be a good pick, right? But this is not that. I don't think this is from Gooch904. He says, I like the hire. I don't like that it was the GM's decision. Not. I don't think he's saying, I don't like that it was – well, Balky made it. It can't be good. He's saying he follows up. That should be the head coach's decision, and I agree with that. Even if you – like, if I like the, the hiring, that's great. And if I think – and I am i don't know Ryan Nielsen from Adam. I've looked at some of the numbers where he's helped improve the Falcons' defense, so mm-hmm. I'm hoping he can have the similar impact here, right? I'm not stumping for Nielsen. I'm not against him. Let's go, Ryan Nielsen, and attack aggressive and all that stuff. And – if bulky made it, it doesn't make it a bad pick. It's just the 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 idea that a Super Bowl winning coach would have to abdicate filling out his coaching staff to a GM who always seems to have one foot on the firing line mm-hmm. makes no sense to me. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me either, and I don't think – it's really hard to tell. We don't know. We don't we, know. We, we right? don't but know. But that's that this been the was... heavy speculation on this right, one. Right. There, there has, and, and, and I get it, and and maybe some of it is true. Um, but I, I have a hard time believing that Doug Peterson sat there, you know, pounding the table for for his guy. This is the one he wants on his coaching staff, and then Trent Balky comes in and says, "No, Shad, we're going to hire this guy." And then Doug just is like, "Okay, yes." What if Shad? I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm just guessing game, right? What if Shad wanted more sweeping changes? Doug's like, look, get rid of somebody. I'm not getting rid of Press Taylor. And what? What if they can't? There was some kind of like, okay, you know what? Keep your guys on offense. We're going to blow out defense, and we're going to let Trent Balky try to build it. That, that that is that even possible that it went down like that? I, I mean, sure, I guess, but I, I'm not saying that that's good if it mm, went down like that. I'm just saying, I, I'm trying to figure out like where this is all coming from because right. to me, there's no question that Doug Peterson should have final say on who is coaching under him. And I get it. If you get to the point where Doug Peterson's had a string of failures, you got a strong GM, and you're like, look, 
you either got to make some changes or we're going to have to make a change at the top, right? Mm-hmm. And I get that kind of imposing that, but it still comes down to that guy, in my opinion, having the final say. This sort of does happen. You know, I'm sure it's rare. Um, I think the situation in Philly was similar with Doug in terms of his defense coordinator. Um, I forgot who he hired eventually. I think it might have been Jim Schwartz. Um, but but I believe that that also was something influenced by the GM and sort of from from what I, well, from what I know about how they structured their you know GM head coach and everything they all want to be collaborative you know they kept talking about that collaborative process that means that Trent is going to be involved in some capacity in the coaching hires he's going to be involved uh, in some capacity in, in in how they sort of operate that side at least out of season but um, I don't know necessarily if he's doing anything in practice but it, it feels like that's sort of something that does happen. Um, I don't necessarily think or know that um, Trent was the one who, you know, basically hired this staff, and then you know Doug is now gonna just sit back and sort of let it happen. I, I don't, I don't think that that would be something that would happen, but who knows? All right, one final thing, and before we say hello to Leon Searcy and the XL Primetime crew, if a perfect relationship between Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke is a hundred, okay, that a hundred means they're in perfect sync, they think alike, they have the same vision, all this. What do you think? The actual relationship is what's your what's your and understanding this is not a hard yeah. fact this is an opinion and based on your feel of being around them yeah sure I'll, I'll give it I'll throw out a number I feel like maybe maybe it's around 70 that's uh, exactly what I thought you were gonna say yeah, and, and so, I don't know why I just I did I just like he's gonna say 70 yeah it just feel, it feels like it's 70 and 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 I think it's because you know in the beginning it felt like 100 it felt like okay they're they're working together they understand each other uh they're gonna work together just fine and now because of everything that has come out by some legitimate sources, you know, Pete Prisco just came on and talked about it. You know, there, there's there's legitimate people talking about this. So there's something going on. And so to me, that means that now it's at around a 70 where you don't really know what direction it's going to head. And, and that's not good. And 70 sounds high in yeah. some instances. <laughs> it's not really, I don't think, when, it, when you've got these two guys who are supposed to be the architects of hopefully a successful – Franchise. All right, hold that thought. Uh, we'll have a few final moments with Demetrius Harvey. Let's say hello to Big Sirs. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, Big Sirs repping the only clean program in the state of Florida. That's right. That's right. I'm glad you noticed that. I'm glad I, you recognize that. I'm an that. equal opportunity offender, I- including my own yes. teams, okay? Yeah, I'll listen, take shots been, at my own it's teams. Been, it's been a while since we've been clean, too, so and I can appreciate it. Right. As far as we know, okay? Like, exactly. big Allegedly. air quotes Allegedly. on that one. Allegedly. Come on now. Yes, of course. Sirs uh, uh, talking all through the issues with Demetrius this morning with the Jags, but I'm sure you guys will be getting, and I know you did yesterday, the Ryan Nielsen hiring yeah. just I don't know Ryan Nielsen but I'm going by what the numbers say and the numbers say he did a good job in his first year with Atlanta he, he did it, it, my only concern with Ryan Nielsen is the fact that he does run a lot of press man coverage the tax style yep. do, do we have the DBs that can accommodate that because you got to think about our DBs mass majority of the time we're in zone you know we're in zone we, we probably play press man I was looking at the statistics we only play press man like 16 percent of the time this guy plays press man about 53 percent of the time and you got to think about this too. You got two DBs who are going to their last year of their contracts who've been zone premise. Well, they've got two guys they under got, contract beyond this I, upcoming I, I, year. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm talking about I, I'm, I'm talking about you. Leonard and I'm talking about Campbell. They're going into their contract year. Totally understand. And the last thing they want is to be exposed to something they're not used to doing. 
Yeah. I mean, press man, you you got a press man. Right. I, I think uh, <laughs> I think Williams could play. He's done it a little bit, yeah. you know. But I, I mean, it, all of a sudden, I mean, we we talked about it yesterday. Tony Corner should be on the horizon oh, yeah. for that first round pick. Yeah. This Absolutely. makes it maybe even more likely that mm-hmm. that's under consideration. So I right, look, we we just need like. All we need is about six picks in the middle of the first round, and we'll be fine. Well, I'll fix That's this. All. I'll fix this roster with That's a half it. dozen That's first rounders, Leon. That's all. Exactly. Uh, what are you guys doing today on the program? Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk defense coordinator. We're gonna talk Jags, and we're gonna talk draft. And then I've got uh, a friend of mine, one of my legends, coming on. Ray Roberts, who played with the Lions, blocked for Barry Sanders. He's gonna talk about his times with the, the Lions and. How excited he is about this team right now being the AFC Championship. Awesome. Uh, Leon will be listening. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Big Sirs and the crew with XL Primetime coming up. Demetrius Harvey uh, can be found, of course, uh, writing for the Florida Times Union primarily. And that's number one at jacksonville.com slash sports. And uh, you can also go on social media at Demetrius82. Anything uh, in particular coming up, Meech? What's uh, what's the next few weeks look like for you? Yeah, I mean, I'll be diving into Ryan Nielsen a lot more. I'm going to be trying to figure out his scheme a little bit more and try to introduce it to everybody uh, in the best way I can. I'm sure everybody will be doing that. So, you know, that's, that's sort of what I have on the horizon. I also have something on Tyson Campbell. You know, he talked about his sort of, um, you know, down year because of the injuries and things like that. So I'll have something, you know, up on that probably in the next few days. All right, we'll look forward to it as we do all your coverage of the Jags. Uh, appreciate every time you come on with us, and uh, no thanks for spending some time. Sorry that Duraco didn't buy breakfast. We felt like he should have been, <laughs> after just such a miserable showing in the breakfast bowl this year, he should be our official uh, breakfast provider of the Jaguars Today program, but uh, I talk to him about it all the time. You know, because I'll, I'll, I'll listen to you guys and I hear him losing. I'm like, okay, I'm talking. About I love it. Today. it. I love it. I'm sure he's going. I don't lose every time. Oh, yeah. well, all right. Uh, <laughs> you're not here to defend yourself, Mike. You know how we do. All right, uh, Demetrius, we appreciate it, man. I know uh, Jaguar fans do as well. Look forward to doing it again sometime. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you guys a lot. All right, buddy. Uh, we got uh, Johnny O tomorrow, and I imagine we'll get an introductory press conference here sooner rather than later with Ryan Nielsen, hopefully mm-hmm. Tony, and maybe the rumored Trent Balky speaking to the media at some point as well. But tentatively, uh, John Shipley from Jaguar Report going to join us in studio just like Demetrius did today. That's on Thursday, and of course, Tom McManus on Friday. So a lot to do the rest of the week. Uh, Stick around. XL Primetime is next here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.